listening to First Church Charlotte. I do want to join everyone else in welcoming our guests and friends. We're so honored to have you all. We love you in the Lord, and we want God's perfect will and his beautiful blessing uh, to manifest in your life. As a church, we want you to grow. As a church, we want you to feel our affection for you. You may be down on yourself, but this church will never be down on you. I'm going to have to say that again. Did y'all get that vibe that I'm going to have to say that again? You did a good job, by the way. Um, Yeah, don't be thinking you can take over my job, though, just because you talk, just so you know. Uh, We're glad for everyone here today. We, as a church, will believe in you. We will speak faith to you. We will rejoice when you rejoice. We'll cry when you cry. And if we don't feel sad, we'll fake it. That was funny and no one laughed. See, there's like a, I don't know, there's just something here. We have some, we have some guests here with us, special guests. Uh, uh, Pastor Nathan's dad is sitting over here. And uh, if you, you come to check on a son, I told him, I said, look, we just got to make sure he's staying prayed up, stayed up, living right, spitting white, you know, chewing tobacco. That's an old time joke for you new timers. Y'all don't know that, but um, great to have him. Uh, some of our dear friends, uh, Pastor uh, Williams in Fayetteville has sent two of his da- daughters over here to spend some summertime with the Udemarks. These girls are just stinking awesome. They don't stink. They're stinking awesome. Though. They're just awesome kids. We love the Williams. Praise the Lord, somebody. I'm glad you're here. And you're awesome, too. And you didn't want to be the other. So, you know, you're awesome, too. Let's stand together. We're reading in Zechariah chapter number 9. We'll read two verses of Scripture, verse 11 and verse 12. And we will get into the Word of the Lord for a moment here today. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. I, I really, since yesterday, I've had this deep sense of the presence of God in my life, in my heart. Uh, in direct relationship to what I'm trying to share with you today. Uh, so if the Lord will help me, I'm going to, to deliver my soul. So Zechariah 9 verse 11, As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. I like that. How many How many have ever lost anything? I wasn't talking about your youth, although you've lost that too. I will restore double to you, the Lord says. Somebody says, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. So my title today is to seek a deeper hope. To seek a deeper hope. And I want to start by sharing with you one of the things that I and so many of my pastor friends that I talk to have, have expressed. I find, I find when I open my heart to other, other pastors and we seek to influence each other uh, for the good and iron sharpens iron, as the scripture says, one of the things that is really becoming uh, notable is that some of the cultural trends that the church benefited from in the 70s, 80s, and 90s 
where there were large numbers of people who were, were making their way towards faith, those trade winds, so to speak, of uh, societal's movement, uh, they, they seem to have ended. And there is now uh, a counter a counterforce in society. And for the first time in modern history, uh, within American culture, there's a lot of people who are claiming no religious affiliation. They are the nons. They, that's what they're called by statisticians. They no affiliation whatsoever. Um, they just are people. They, they claim no faith. They claim no theology. They claim no religious uh, affiliation. They just are living their lives. And I'm not unsympathetic to them. They, they are just being honest about where they are and what they, what they believe and what they think. But some of the trends of the past that ushered so many people toward faith, um, they seem to be fading. And as a church, we have, to, we have to not just celebrate what we all of us together collectively believe and collectively celebrate. We cannot just minister to ourselves, but we have to care about influence within our society. It is our job and it is your job to let our light shine. Somebody say that's some fun preaching. Thank you very much. I knew you would agree with me if we talked a little while. You must let your light shine. And so you need to know how to talk about your faith in a non-theological way. You need to be able to talk about your faith from your heart, not as a debater, not as a theologian, but as a witness. You need to be able to say, look, well, it may not, you know, you may not walk this way. You may not choose to, to, to live the way I have, but I'm telling you what, the presence of God in my life changes everything. You see, I'm, I'm giving a witness. I'm not fighting with anybody. I'm not arguing with anybody. I'm not pointing a finger saying you're good for nothing, seven troubles, and then you're going to bust it wide open. No, I'm simply saying, look, the presence of God is the most valuable thing in my life. I don't want to try to do this thing that I called life without the presence of God in my life. We are most effective in a society that perhaps uh, less than any time before is sharing the, 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 the foundations of Christianity. We are most effective when we simply give a witness of what God has done for us. And I'm here to tell you, God's done great things for you. If God never did anything else for you, you have enough witnesses to reach your world with the goodness of God. You should speak the goodness of God, not as a debate tactic, not as a theological argument, not as a self-help formula. Self-help is the opposite of Christian faith. (laughs) You need to speak as a witness. I have been changed by the presence of God in my life. If you individually have been saved of something, if the Lord has brought you you through a circumstance, an addiction, an illness, you need to see what God has done for you as your most effective um, communication that you can give to anybody simply to tell how good God has been because he is good. Oh, my brother, my sister, he is so good. Why do I say that? Well, it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. 
How about this side over here? Amen. Y'all agree with that? It is the goodness of God. Now, I know at times we can uh, we can think it's the fear of the Lord, and I've heard that represented a few times by people who, who meant well, and some people are deeply motivated by a sense of, of fear. But I, I want you to know that's just beginning. This is not a kingdom of fear. It's a kingdom of love. I said, this is not a kingdom of fear. It's a kingdom of love. So if your, if your primary emotion, your primary experience in your personal time in the presence of God is one of fear, there is a very good chance you are staying in the shallow end of the Christian pool. There's deeper waters to swim in. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. That is why God came looking for hurting people. He was anointed for the poor. He was anointed anointed for the imprisoned. He was anointed for the blind. He was anointed to bring good news to broken people. You want to see where God is working? Look for the opportunities of brokenness and pain and loss. And then in that circumstance, we as ambassadors of God, we speak the goodness of God. Now, I have had family members, for whatever reason, I've had several family members. Who exactly they are is none of your business. I've had family members who were quite bold at speaking judgment to people. Um, quite bold. And even now, some of you are like, I bet it was so-and-so. You don't know who I'm talking about. Or maybe you do, but let's pretend you don't. And uh, they, they are quite bold at speaking judgment to people. I've seen, I've seen uh, people in our church. I had a situation once here in this altar standing right here. A mother and a daughter. Mother goes to another church, very religious daughter had had just got back in church in our church. And uh, mother and daughter came down here, and the daughter was introducing me to her mother, and uh, excited about her church, and her mother proceeded in front of her daughter to tell me the shameful things her daughter was doing and had done, and the embarrassment, and her daughter had brought her mother up here to meet her pastor, because she was trying to get back in church. And her mother, meaning well, mean, good at good heart, zealous person, a bit of a warrior, yes, but a zealous person, then proceeded to humiliate her daughter in front of her new pastor right here standing in the altar. I interrupted as soon as I could because that's just not first church culture right there. I believe in you. I know you got problems. I knew that when I saw you get out of your car. You got problems. I looked at your Facebook. I was like, my God. I know you got problems. I know you got problems. But in the meantime, I believe in you. In the meantime, God's not done with you. In the meantime, you have something to do for the kingdom. In the meantime, put one foot in front of the other. Honey, deliverance is coming. Victory is coming. Joy's coming. And it's coming for you. So I, I stood here and I, I just interrupted. I just, I just, at first was a sense of awe, kind of like, oh my God, oh my God, somebody help. I had this panicky feeling because I mean, we just don't, we don't humiliate. And, uh, and, and I just watched the daughter go from joy, trying to get back in church, new pastor. I watched her wilt standing right here. I watched her wilt standing right here and, um, they turned and, um, uh, looked at each other, and that pause, and uh, I jumped right in. And I said, now, well, I just want you to know, uh, we, we love, and I started bragging on the daughter to the mom. And she had this expression on her face like, 
okay, if you have to say so. Now, now put yourself in the heart of that mom. She dreams good things for her daughter. Uh, and this part of spiritual wisdom is the ability to see the good in people who are doing dumb things. Because uh, a lot of people do dumb things for good reasons. They're trying to do good. She's trying to motivate her daughter to have a more disciplined, organized life, to walk more beautifully in the paths of righteousness for its namesake, and to express the truth. You get the idea. She wants this for her daughter, but that, uh, there's this problem. Her daughter's not there. So the path from there to here is not humiliation. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I say that again. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Neither do I condemn thee. Jesus is the only one who condemn, and he's chosen not to do it. That gives you permission to ignore everybody else. Because there's only one who can condemn. You see, if you transgress the law in all, you're guilty of all of it. If you've, even in the smallest area, you're guilty of all of it. And so uh, here, this, this reality of this, this, uh, this heart that's trying to kind of progress. And I, I, I want, as a church, I want us to be able to take people um, where they are, not where we wish they were, but where they are, and, and kind of give them a safe space where they are welcomed and they are wanted, but they are not watched. It's not the CIA, Christians in action, watching to see. You are welcome, and you are wanted, and you are not watched. So I want you, I want you to see how people, we have the greatest witness as simply giving a witness, not fighting, not arguing, not judging. We're not really qualified for all of that. Uh, That's God's business. If the witness gets out of the witness chair and sits in the judge's chair, it's contempt of court. The witness stays in the witness chair and the judge stays behind the judge's desk. Any questions? Thank you very much. God bless you. Cross go $200. Uh, So we see in this, in this uh, reality of uh, people progressing toward God, um, we're going to have to be comfortable leading people in that way, leading them through simple witness, not fighting with them. Um, we are all of us people who have decided by choice to build our life upon the Christian hope. Um, this Christian hope is what uh, we express it in various ways. We talk about our faith, but really at the, at, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is um, hope or faith, whichever word you'd prefer, in a future to come. It's, it's not here now. There's elements here now, but it is to come. My hope is in the promises of God. Now, the hope of God should produce an opportunity for me to know victory in the here and now. For the hope of the future, I'm able to have victory in the here and now. We read in this text, and the writer is speaking to children of Israel who are going through much suffering, much tribulation, much struggle. Uh, And he basically says this to them, and we read it together. Look, uh, you guys um, are the beneficiaries of a covenant in uh, blood that was sealed between you and God. And because of that covenant, uh, there is going to be uh, opportunity for you. There is, God is on your side. God is working for you. Uh, Because of the blood of your covenant, Christ has given to you, you're going to be set free from this waterless pit you have found yourself in, this desperate uh, circumstance of frustration, suffering, and spiritual death. You're going to be set free. You're going to be placed in a stronghold. Now, I could spend a lot of time preaching on this. Uh, I have got enough for two or three minutes 
messages, and I didn't preach it at 9 a.m., and I'm not preaching it now, so I'm just going to give you a little flash for a discount rate, two for the price of one. The stronghold in this time is where people would go to stop to be safe from the raiding bands of the enemy because they would steal each other's um, uh, uh, livestock. They would steal each other's crops. But the stronghold would be built on a high place. It would be a city with walls. And you could go there when the enemy came in and you would be safe there because they could not take that stronghold. Now, we as a church, again, just touching this, don't have time to spend a lot of time on it. We are all of us living stones. Can I have a big amen? We're living stones. And what happens in a church? God takes living stones stones and he builds them into a spiritual stronghold. And so the church becomes a safe place, a sanctuary. Making it on your own is much harder than being joined together with other living stones in a stronghold. And so the church becomes a safe place. That's why we call it a sanctuary. Remember that old time song we used to sing back in the day? Well, the devil don't allow no shouting around here. Devil don't allow no shouting around here. And you say, I don't care what the devil don't allow. I'm going to, anyhow, devil don't allow no shouting around here. <laughs> how, many, how many go back? You go back? Devil don't allow no out running around here. My God, I don't understand why the worship team is not begging me to sing. I just, I, uh, what's up, people? You, you, prayer doesn't work for everybody. That's all I got to say. That's a joke. Don't be diving off in theology now. So we used to sing that song. I grew up singing that song. Devil don't allow no shouting around here. I don't care what devil don't allow. I'm going to shout in here. My God. I just feel like singing today. Well, let me let me let me make this clear. Uh, the song is fun, but it's 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 not at all accurate because the devil doesn't get to set any rules around here. You see, so what the songwriter's doing is he's appealing to the inner rebel. You know, you have an inner rebel, and the devil, you can't run them miles around here. And you're like, my God, I don't care what the devil don't allow. I'm gonna run around anyhow. That platform was worth the money. That's all I have to say about that. So it's appealing to your inner rebel. But actually, the truth is much more complicated than that. The devil doesn't set any rules around here. Why? God has taken living stones. People who have been filled with the Spirit of God. People who are filled with faith. And he has joined them together into a stronghold. Into a spiritual stronghold. And the result of that is the church, the body of Christ, becomes like a city set on a hill. A stronghold. And when the trouble comes, you have a place. I am stronger because of your prayers. I said, I'm stronger because of your prayers. I need your prayers, and honey, you need my prayers. We need to serve God together. We need to rejoice in the promises of God together. We are living stones fitly joined together. But because of this, because of this, there is a declaration. You prisoners of hope, even today I declare, I will restore double to you. I love that. Preachers love to preach about the Lord's going to restore double. Uh, we, it's fun, and I, I love it, and I claim it as a spiritual reality. And I think as a church um, around the world, we are seeing the greatest revival that uh, has ever historically been recorded in terms of absolute numbers. There are more people 
receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit around the world right now than any other time in history. There are more people. They're having outpouring of the Spirit all around the world. Actually, uh, in America, where it seems like it's difficult, don't, don't let that deceive you because if you look at the world a whole, there are more believers we don't even know about than there are that we do know about. They discover whole groups of people in places that we don't even know about, and they are believing, and they're standing, and they're walking, and we need to celebrate the latter rain, church. What is the Bible talking about on this, this, this idea of prisoner of hope? Um, I think the word choice is important, and uh, I want you to understand what they're saying. Um, prisoners have no options. Uh, really, all optionality has been taken from you. You don't get to pick where you stay. You don't get to pick where you go. You don't get to pick what time you get up. You don't get to pick what time you go to bed. Uh, someone else has made all your decisions for you. And the prisoner only has, uh, the only thing they have left is their, their, their kind of selfhood, their, their, their being, who they are, their personality. Someone else decides when they get up. Someone else decides where they can and can't go. Someone else decides what they're going to eat or if they're going to eat. They have lost all of their uh, choices except for their their identity, uh, who they are, and here the writer not just not just uh, Zechariah, but also Paul will use this term. Uh, it's also in other places in the New Testament. The same term, a prisoner of hope. It is as if to say, um, I I have no other option left to me than to believe the promises of God. And I want you to know this today. And I'm not going to preach a long time, so I want you to get this. This is where we, all of us, are living. This is where we are living. I have no other solutions except for the promises of God in my life. You see, what the world does for you is it's always giving you its solutions. It's always giving you secular mindset. It's always giving you secular philosophy. Uh, And so whether it's a movie that you see, whether it's a book that you read, uh, that protagonist in the novel or that character in the movie they're always telling you what you should think about the world and if if you're kind of if you're kind of weak in your foundations um, and that's not necessarily an issue of intelligence it's very much an issue of personal decisions and self-identity um, but if you are kind of weak in your foundations whatever you've been exposed to recently is what you will tend to uh, live out and emote so whenever whenever um, uh, real quick just some some pop culture here for you. Um, Whenever Hollywood wants to make a character seem intelligent, they make him or her a nihilist, which means they don't believe nothing. Because what that allows them to do is make one cynical statement after another, and they sound smart. So if you'll notice, whenever any movie you watch, if they try to make somebody look smart, they're always a nihilist, and they always are cynical about everything, as though cynicism is the same thing as intelligence. It's not. Don't have time to talk about that. I want you to see, after you have surveyed what this world offers to you, what what can this world offer to you? There are pleasures that are in this world. There are even fulfillments of your life that are in this world. It is better to have a great career than a tacky career. Can I have a big amen? Amen. I've I've had both in my life, and I'm here as a living witness that a good career is better. Um, It's it's much better to have uh, money in the bank than um, have the bank looking for your money. 
As a person who's been both rich and poor, I'm here to tell you rich is way better. But enough about my wife, moving right along. So uh, I want you to see this world has things to offer you. It does. It has career success. Um, it, it has certain uh, fame, I guess, if you're into that and you want to have 100,000 YouTube followers. I mean, good for you. That's a lot of time editing video, but whatever you want to do. Um, you know, all of this stuff, it is of a certain... Uh, tight feel experience. It is what it is. But here's the problem. Does it last or is it a moving target? Is Does it have a sell-by date on it? Is it fading away? So the person who spent their whole life pursuing money gets to the end of their life and realize that which they need most money cannot buy. You see, this is the problem with living secular-minded lives without having the, 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 the discipline of spirit to, to quiet our lives and pursue the presence of God. This is the result of adopting whatever cool philosophy is coming uh, through the pop culture at the time. You get to the end of it, and there wasn't really anything there. Do you see and so I have, uh, in my life, I believe I have felt many of the temptations uh, that come at different seasons of, of, of your life. Now, I'm not, as, I'm not as old as some of you guys. Some of you guys are right up there with Enoch, but I am pretty old, and I have lived enough to, to see a lot of the various temptations and, and, and like things and, and wish that I could go there, wish that I could do that, wish that I could have that, wish I could drive that, wish I could live that there. Wish I could experience this. I've, I've, I have lived a few years and I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to confess this to you. Nothing makes sense except Jesus Christ. You see, Christ, Jesus is not inviting you to a religious formula that you argue with other believers over. That's not what you're being invited to. Read the Gospels. Pick any Gospel. Read the whole thing. It's not that there isn't a way, and there, it's not that there aren't theological and doctrinal foundations. There absolutely are. This is what it means, however. You are invited to walk in a way that he modeled for you, do you see? He modeled a way for you. It is a way of not caring about the things of this world. If you have them, fine, but you don't care about them. You, you living for an eternal reason. You're walking for a higher purpose, and you are seeking that which is eternal. This is what Christ walked, lived, Lived, manifest truth, divine truth, the, in, the indescriptible nature of God, manifest in a life, and in him was no sin, and in him was no shame. And what does God do to say, I love you? He adopts your broken world and dies to save it. There is nothing more beautiful than redemptive love. I want, I, want, I want to make this appeal to you today. I know I'm, 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 I'm preaching to the, the kind of a lot of you who are kind of in between, you know, and I, uh, some of you, uh, you know, high, high value, high energy Christian people are like, well, what are you preaching like this for? Well, I, I'm making an appeal today that's in my spirit. I want you to see that Jesus Christ is more than a theological argument. He represents that which is the most beautiful, that which is the most glorious. He who did not need us 
moved heaven and earth because he loved us. It is the most beautiful story ever told. And after I have failed, he does not greet me with an angry fist of judgment. But he calls like he did to Adam. Adam, where are you, Adam? I want to walk with you. I want to know you. It's the most beautiful story that has ever been told. And I am a prisoner of that hope. That this life is not just cutthroat. That this life is not just who has the biggest muscles. I am the prisoner of this idea that this life does not depend on who has the money and who doesn't have the money. I am a prisoner of this idea. It burns within me that you are not just your possessions or your bank account is not what makes you valuable. I am the prisoner of this idea that above all the competition and above all the cutthroat and above all the this one and that one and above all the Republicans and Democrats and above all the Madison Avenue and Wall Street and above all of the sports and all of the hobbies and all of the above it all there is a redemptive truth for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son I am in love with that idea musicians come and you can say oh I don't believe it's true and I say okay but I'm a prisoner of hope yes Everything I am is invested in this idea that God's on our side and we have not been abandoned and we have not been forsaken. And he so loved us that he gave and he and he forgave and he embraced and he empowers. And I, I am a prisoner of hope today. I don't have any other options. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? I've, I, I know a little bit about business and that can't be a solution. It just can't be a solution. It's business. It's fine, but it's not a solution. I like to be entertained as much as you do. I like to be entertained as much as you do. I like to laugh as much as you do. I like to cut up as much as you do. I think I've experienced a good bit of that in my life. You know I'm a big cut up. I'm here to tell you that can't be a solution. I like when people know my name too. I think I have three Facebook followers. How awesome is that? I like to be the cool kid too. I was at a wedding here recently and a lady came up to me and she said, I just have to greet my second pastor. And I went, what do you mean second pastor? I don't know you. What are you about to ask me for money? And then I realized who she was and I know her through another church and they are starting a church up in Virginia and her and her husband, they have a preaching point. They don't have to make her and her sister. If you're watching this, I love you. I love you. She said, every Sunday we watch First Church Charlotte so we can go to church. And you're my second pastor. I love being cool too. My chest went out three inches. I straightened my back, sucked my gut in 17 inches. It was awesome. I was like, thank you. God bless you. Powerful move of God around here recently. Mighty God. We all like being somebody, okay? But here's the truth. At times in my life, I've kind of felt what it was like to be somebody. I've preached at some big places. I've had some people know me. Not as much as you, but you know. That can't be a solution. Because it's not the indescriptible, ultimate, beautiful thing 
that both takes... You see, here's the problem with, with so much of human beauty. Human beauty can create an ideal. It can paint a picture. It can build a building. But it can't make it beautiful while acknowledging how ugly we can be. Do you see that? It can only be beautiful if you pretend the ugliness doesn't exist. I'm finishing with this because you need to hear this. All human efforts at beauty can make it beautiful as long as you don't look at the ugly. You got to build a fence. You got to hide it. You don't go to that part of town. We can make it beautiful if you play make-believe. Only God can show you the ugly, show you himself, and blow your ever-loving mind by making it beautiful. That's the kind of beauty. You see, it's not about the perfectly formed lamb. This is an image from the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with it. Uh, The shepherd has a beautiful lamb. It's safe. It's whole. It's warm. It looks with those trusting eyes. So the shepherd holds it. The shepherd loves it. Uh, That's beautiful, beautiful lamb. He cares for the lamb. The lamb knows who his shepherd is. It's beautiful. Uh, That's the kind of stories humans tell. God tells us another story of a shepherd in the New Testament after the wolves have got it. After the wolves have tore it to shreds. And it's a bloody mess. And it's spread out across the ground. And it has the butchery smell of death about it. And it's mostly consumed. And all that's left is a couple ribs and a piece of of an ear. There's no way humanity can make that story beautiful. But God can take two ribs and a piece of an ear. And with his redemptive offering... He can make a lamb whole. That's the story of all of us. This is why I seek a deeper hope. This is why I am a prisoner of hope. I'm never going to be satisfied with Hollywood philosophy. I'm never going to be satisfied with Madison Avenue marketing. And it's fine. It's good. I'm never going to be satisfied with Wall Street wealth. God bless it if you got it. Hopefully you'll get some more. I'm never going to be satisfied with this stuff. I like cars. They're not enough. They have to be washed. I like houses. They're a lot of work. A little bit too much work after the age of 45. There's nothing more beautiful to me than this story. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would have believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting, receive everlasting life. It's the most beautiful story I've ever heard. And I am a prisoner of the hope that God loves me and that God's made a place for me and he forgives me of my sins and he washes me and he leads me by still waters in paths for his name's sake. I believe that his hand is upon me. I know I'm flawed, but this is a beautiful idea that God can use flawed people. I believe his hand is on my family. I I love my family. I believe my children have protection upon them. It's the most beautiful story you'll ever find anywhere. Who would not want to celebrate a God like this? I am a prisoner of hope and I spend every day of my life seeking a deeper hope. I'm not satisfied with what the philosopher says. I'm not satisfied with what the economist says. I seek a deeper hope. Jesus, would you come by here and would you fill me with your spirit and would you wash me and make me whole? I confess my sins. I confess my sins. I turn away from my old nature. Lord, I know there's a possibility within my carnal nature to live trapped between fear and lust, fear and lust, but your spirit washes me of that and I turn away from that and that can be changed from fear into love and
went from lust into mission and calling. And so from fear to lust, I'm transformed into love and calling. And I'm able to be you. I'm able to be your man. I'm able to be your, uh, your, your ambassador. I'm able to walk with you. Let your work be done in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, I am seeking a deeper hope. And I only find that in Jesus Christ. Would you stand all across the house? I'd like you to step out of the chair you're in. I know I've thrown a lot of ideas at you here today, but it's just, I actually didn't preach my message at all. It's just kind of in my heart as a theme. And I want you to step out. I want our friend, guests and friends to feel free to come with us. I know most churches don't do this. They, they We're standing here because God made a way. How many of you need God to make a way today? Everything you have experienced up to this moment testifies to you that he's going to win the next battle for you. Everything you've experienced up till now testifies that he's going to be with you for the next struggle. And so you are invited to speak to the mountain. Someone said, well, what if it doesn't move? Well, that's okay. I'm a prisoner of hope. I have no other plan. (laughs) So I'm going to speak to the mountain. Well, what if they aren't healed? Well, I don't have any other plan. I'm a prisoner of hope. So I'm going to speak the name of Jesus again. I'm like the woman knocking on the door of the judge. It's me again. And I'm just here to say we need healing. We need healing. We need revival. We need revival. I'm a prisoner of hope. I don't have another plan. I don't have another solution. I'm stuck with this every day. Every day. I'm a prisoner right here with hope. And I say you can do it. Revival is of the Lord. There is miracle signs and wonders. The latter rain will be greater than the former rain. I'm a prisoner of hope. So tomorrow, I'm going to be believing. I'm going to be claiming. I'm going to be celebrating. I'm going to be saying in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. I said hallelujah, somebody. that this has been an appeal to some of you guys' lives where you keep trying your solution to your problem and you just haven't, you haven't, you haven't. As long as you have something to try, God will let you try. But there comes a moment when you say, okay, that's it, Lord. This is my plan. In the name of Jesus, I reject doubt. In the name of Jesus, I reject fear. In the name of Jesus, I choose faith. I choose today this hope. You know where I'm at, Lord Jesus, and you know how to help me. I choose today this promise. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they're they're just safe. It's just, they're just safe. I choose this promise. How much time do you have? I got promises. I can go all day. Whatever you're facing, you are a prisoner of hope because your plan's not working. You need God's plan. Lord Jesus, I pray for your people. I pray that you would let us see with a greater depth of spiritual acuity than we've ever had before how you work in our life and how the answer is not because we build the house. In fact, often our spiritual uh, efforts 
rely solely upon activating your power. And when we do it in the flesh, we build a house that is in vain. But if you'll build the house, Lord, if you'll build the house, the wind won't shake its foundations. The storm won't rattle it, but it will survive. And so we stand in the hope of your promise and we say, have thine own way in our lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more time, put your hands together, lift your voice, give God a hand clap of praise in this house. We exalt you, O God. We magnify you today. If you're here and you need Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.